How can we be free from religiosity and judgmentalism in the church? Hello and welcome to the God Story Podcast. I'm Brent Siddle. Our very special guest on the podcast this time is Mark Baker, Professor of Mission and Theology at Fresno Pacific Biblical Seminary in Fresno, California in the States. He served as a missionary in Honduras for 10 years and has written a number of books, including the one we're talking about today from Crossway, called Freedom from Religiosity and Judgmentalism, Studies in Paul's Letter, to the Galatians. And Mark joins me now from the States. Mark, hi, how are you? Very good, thank you. I'm very pleased to be with you again, Brent. Oh, it's a pleasure. Yes, we um, we did an interview, I think, last year on your last book, which was Centred Set Church. And I'm going to come and ask you about that again in a minute. But can I begin by asking you, please, what's your personal journey with the letter to the Galatians? Thank you. I, I'd love to, to, to share that. Um, so... Yeah, it, it starts. So I'm going to take you to a moment. When I was in Honduras, I was giving a workshop in a uh, squatter community and uh, on how to study the Bible. And I use an example from Galatians about circumcision. And I was trying to make the point that, you know, we don't actually read the Bible literally because what would this verse mean? We're not talking about circumcision today. And in the middle of that, a woman raised her hand and said, you know, a friend of mine um, told me if I cut my hair, no, she told me that because I've cut my hair, I'm no longer saved. Is that true? And I am a very like disciplined, stay on topic teacher. And I knew if I started talking about that, like we were not going to get through this, you know, this workshop on how to study the Bible. So, but I felt deep compassion. I mean, here's this woman sitting here thinking she's lost her salvation because she cut her hair. So I said, that's a great question. Read the book of Galatians, you'll find your answer. Okay, now I want to, you know, a key thing is why did I say Galatians? Well, because, yeah, I mean, I'd been, you know, I've been a Christian for a number of years, um, gone to college, been a missionary, um, been in seminary. I knew that, uh, you know, Galatians addressed the problem of grace and works. And in my mind, it was, you know, she had a, she had confusion about salvation by works or salvation by grace. Galatians is the answer. But and um, oh, oh, so that's only part of the story. Then so I start going back to the workshop. And within three minutes, two other people ask the same question, but with a different, you know, a different rule. And I realize, hey, we're not going to get out of this. So I just say, hey, let's come back next week and read Galatians together. And but when I was preparing for that, I read an essay by Richard Hayes on Galatians. And he was arguing for in essence, using different lenses when we read Galatians. And instead of instead of reading it through the lens of Luther's experience as this individual burdened down by guilt, Hayes said, hey, let's look at what's going on in Galatia itself. Galatia itself, let that shape the way we read the letter. And he advocated for a more, yeah, that, that Paul was very concerned about the community being ripped apart in Galatia, and, and that it actually wasn't, you know, just an incorrect teaching, but it was this, this dynamic of tensions between these two different communities. And that, that moment, yeah, just set me off on a journey of reading Galatians. And I, and I think recognizing that, you know, the problem with, with the way I had, the way I had been reading it, or a great weakness is, like, it had nothing to do with me. I mean, it was good for this woman who was confused about you know, salvation by works or salvation by grace. 
but I knew salvation was by grace. I didn't need Paul's letter to the Galatians. You know, it's for them. But over the years, as I, I read Galatians, I, I came to realize, well, first of all, you know, everyone in, in the letter is already a Christian. They've all experienced God's grace. Like it, 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 it wasn't the central question. Now, I mean, as I talk about in the book, there are differing views about grace in the different parties in Galatia. So I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not saying, yeah, I mean, I think Luther was correct in applying it to situation. I'm not against the Reformation reading as wrong, but I think it is so much deeper and broader than that. And so through that, yeah, that essay by Hayes, I came to then reflect upon, okay, what are the deeper, broader things going on in Galatia? And what's that have to do with me? So that's how it, that's where it started. Mm, yes, it's a very rich journey. Now, uh, the other part of the journey which we should explore before we carry on to talk about Galatians is the ideas that you presented in Centred Set Church. Now, how does this new book develop the ideas of Centred Set Church and really apply them? Yeah, so the yeah, I think in a, in a couple of different ways. So one is we can, um, yeah, and if people are not familiar with Centred Set, I'd say, you know, go to my website, centredsetchurch.com. There's a one-page PDF that has the the definitions of it, but so yeah, th those come from you know Paul Hebert, an anthropologist, missionary, and anthropologist, borrowed them from math, their concepts. The Bible doesn't talk about bounded, centered. One thing that reading Galatians in relation to bounded, centered, and fuzzy does is it gives a biblical basis for what I call yeah the uh, centered set church approach because I think. When we look through the lens of bounded and centered, we see that that is what was going on in Galatia, that Paul is confronting a bounded approach. So on one hand, it gives, I think, a biblical basis for talking about bounded and centered. But then the other thing it does is if we want to live out and apply a centered approach, then we can take notes from Paul. So so I see it, um, yeah, as, as both a biblical basis and then, yeah, sort of a, a how-to manual, an application. The other thing, though, I think in the other direction, by reading Galatians through the lens of bounded and centered, I think it leads to a better understanding of Galatians, at least better than the one that I had that day when I recommended it to that woman. Yes, so there are people in Galatians who are trying to set up boundaries, aren't there? That's really what this is all about. And yeah. do, do we know who the people in Galatia were that Paul is having all these problems with? Yes. So, uh, no, we don't. <laughs> the, the better <laughs> answer is, no. Okay, so what, and this is, you know, reading the clues between the lines. Okay, so first of all, the Galatian Christians, we know that, and it tells us in the letter, and, and it shows up in Acts. Paul had been in the region, had evangelized, planted these churches, and the and from the way he talks about it, they were Gentile believers of Jesus. So Gentiles started following Jesus. The people that are coming in, and we might say, you know, the troublemakers, but you know, they didn't view themselves that way. They were they were missionaries, and they were Jewish followers of Jesus. Um, and we know that from. Yeah, things said again in the text of the letter that these people were coming from a Jewish perspective, Jewish followers of Jesus. And yet we don't know for certain how much of outsiders they were. I mean, they may have been missionaries that came from Jerusalem, you know, or they may have been from the city on the other side of the hill. We don't know that for sure, but those are the those are the different groups in in the letter. Mm -hmm. 
To what extent, I wonder, was Paul dealing with an honor-shame culture in Galatia? Yeah, so, yeah, that's, and that's the other lens, you know, that I try and use in the book. Because again, going back to sort of the Reformation, you know, individual Western read it, like that makes sense to me, That that that's fine. But Paul, first century Rome, it's an honor-shame culture. And so I think it helps us in, in a number of ways. And again, getting that there's much more, I think, going on in Galatia than just some people showed up and said, salvation is by works. Like, I don't think that's what was going on. I think these people were followers of Jesus that experienced God's grace. But in their mind, these new Galatian Christians needed to live like Jews, like the people of God, to truly be believers. And so that's where the boundaries you mentioned I think these uh, Jewish missionaries who were agitated in Galatia were drawing a boundary line and saying, to truly be Christians, to truly be part of the people of God, you need to live like Jews. Now, so honor, shame at that time in the world comes into play in a few different ways in Galatia. So one is, yeah, yeah you think, I mean, any group I mean, is let's see, is going to experience shame and exclusion from others in society if they feel like the people are not behaving in norms according to to the society. So Judaism was an acceptable religion in Rome. Um, It was different than the mainstream, but it was acceptable. But these new followers of Jesus, this was not acceptable. And people were getting pressured by others you know, hey, you need to be acting like a normal religious person, going to the temple, doing things. So one way shame comes in is that we speculate that the Jewish missionaries were feeling pressure, both from other Jews who weren't followers of Jesus, as well as other people in society. Why are you hanging out with these strange people, meeting in houses, not being appropriate religious. So one is, this could have been a thing that the Jewish missionaries, in a sense, are protecting their own honor by trying to get these new converts to live in a way more acceptable. And in, and you know, and in fact, in in chapter six of Galatians, I mean, Paul says to the Galatian Christians, you know, these people they don't really care about you. They're trying to avoid persecution. And we hear that and we think of, you know, physical torture. But but yeah, I read a, a, a great uh, dissertation where someone's worked at this theme and, and arguing the persecutions being talked about there is the shame and ex- exclusion that comes about by not living according to the norms of your honor society. Mm, yes, it's quite complex. I think you said it out well, too, in the book. Uh, we've talked about religion. I wonder how religion here in Galatians then contrasts with the grace of the gospel that Paul writes about. Yeah. So and I think a really um, so a, a couple things. I think the the religion, religiosity that Paul is attacking is one that views human action towards God as being primary. And and we may think of that as being, you know, sort of a more pagan thing. But there's something really telling in chapter four of Galatians, Paul is talking to the to the Galatian Christians who are Gentiles. And he says, you know, what he's talking about himself and other Jews, he said, you know, previously, so this is before he met Jesus, 
you know, I was enslaved to Stoicheia, these, these basic elements in the world. Um, and he said, but I have been set free. And then he turns to the Galatians and he says, why are you Galatian Christians returning to this Stoicheia, these basic elements? And so it's a fascinating thing there that Paul is equating his previous experience with Judaism and the Gentile Christians' previous experience in paganism, as well as what they're doing if they enter into picking up this Jewish ways now. And so what that says to me is Paul is looking at a, a deeper, more profound thing than just a collection of beliefs. Paganism, Christianity as expressed by these Jewish missionaries or his previous Judaism, but rather there's a force that um, I think Paul presents as an enslaving force, which is this idea that takes hold of us and says, what is most important is what you do. And that's what that's where your identity is. That's what um, forms your relationship with God is what you do. And then God responds. And what I think what Paul presents in Galatians is the radically good news that it's God through Jesus Christ, Galatians 1.4, has freed us from the ways of the present evil age, which, yeah. And let me, to, to add one more thing, I think it's really, really important here for us as followers of Jesus to recognize, you know, I still have this tendency, like I can slide into this. So it's not just, okay, I know the gospel, I'm set now. Paul was saying this to people who had experienced the saving, you know, had a saving experience with Jesus, but they were sliding back into the way of religion. So it's something that, that yeah, again, to re, re, Galatians is a letter for me, for you, not just for that woman that was confused about, you know, cutting her hair. Mm. Oh, yes, it affects all of us. We're all, we're all prone to legalism and legalistic thinking, aren't we? Now, one of the uh, things I enjoyed most about your book was your discussion about justification. It's fairly central to the uh, letter to the Galatians. What is justification and how are we justified by faith? Yeah. So, and before I say what is justification, I think a key thing in thinking about this is um, I mean, it's a very central verse in Galatians um, where Paul turns to Peter and says, Peter, you know, even you, 2.16, even you know that we are justified, you know, not by works, but through Jesus' faithfulness, through trusting, through faith in Jesus. And that comes in a scene in which there had been tension over who belongs at the table in Antioch. Do you need to live like a Jew or not? Can the Gentile Christians be here or not? So what that tips us off is the fact that Paul is talking about justification to Peter lets us know it has something to do with belonging in the family of God. Who has a seat at the table? So where? So I think justification does carry within it the, the traditional view I had of, you know, it means God sees me as innocent, of not guilty, and I'm saved from, yeah, the judgment I deserve because I'm seen as justified. So that's certainly part of it. But if if we go back to the Hebraic way of thinking about justice, it it, it wasn't about my relationship with a legal standard. It's about my relationship with in covenant, relationship with others. Have I kept my obligations to others? Have I been faithful to the covenant? And so what when um, justification then has a sense of my place in the community, in the people of God. So then in a sentence, 
you know, Jesus was faithful to the covenant in ways that we as sinners fall short. And so then I am trusting in Jesus's faithful obedience to death on the cross and my my salvation, my justification comes from being trusting him, being united with him. And then that justification has a sense not just of my individual legal standing, but also a sense of inclusion, of being, yeah, of covenant membership. Mm -hmm. Yes. Now, what does Paul mean by works of the law? There's been a lot of debate about this. I know this is a sort of question that we could spend several hours or days yes. or even years discussing, but... Yeah, so I'm 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 pretty persuaded on this one by I would say uh Jimmy Dunn is probably the one yeah, leading scholar that has done the most work on this. And so what and again this this phrase works of the law comes in the same sentence state in 216 which is coming off of this discussion of this meal scene at Antioch where these Christians from Jerusalem, Jewish Christians showed up and refused to sit at the table with the Gentile Christians. And because in their in in their practice as Jews, they did not eat with people of other ethnicities. They followed, you know, laws about foods and practice. So and and these were major markers of differences, boundary lines between Jews and others at that time is, you know, what you ate, who you ate with, and what you did on the Sabbath. So um, Jimmy Dunn, and, and I was persuaded by it, thinks that when Paul in 2.16 says works of the law, he is not saying, Peter, you know that we have to keep all of the laws in order to be justified. Rather, he's saying, Peter, you know, it's these these works of the law, these things, Sabbath, food, identity. You know, that's not it. And Peter did know that. Right. I mean, he'd been the one that led the way with his you know, visions of the sheets coming down from heaven with that food. So Dunn argues that works of the law are you know, were used to refer to distinct practices that separated Jews from non-Jews at that time. So it's sort of shorthand for this collection of circumcision, Sabbath, who you ate with, these identity markers. And a, a reason I find that persuasive is, I mean, Paul, Peter, they knew as Jews, they had not perfectly kept the law. Like that wasn't the, the that wasn't in debate. They knew they were sinners. They were saved by grace. I mean, even go back in the Old Testament, you know, Leviticus, they offer sacrifices. So it points to them being in that context, Paul's saying, hey, it's not about these ethnic, religious, religious markers that we have. So mm. there's my um, attempt yes. at it. Yes, um, it's a very, very rich letter, Galatians. I, I absolutely love it. Final question, Mark, because I think we're just about it. We're getting running out of time yes. slowly. Uh, time has passed, as it always does so quickly. Let's come down to um, our churches today. How can we pastorally deal with religiosity and legalism? in our churches. Okay, so a, a a key thing I think to see and is the mistake that I had made with that woman cutting her hair is I, I think we we fall into thinking it's a mistake of, you know, doctrinal confusion. If they just knew that we're saved by grace, we'd be okay. It's not but it's it's not, yeah, the religiosity, it's not by your works, it's by grace. If they just know that we'll be okay. So I think that's one error. 
A second error with legalism, particularly, is thinking the problem is the content. Like it's these silly rules, like just let go of the rules. Well, I did that, you know, decades ago, and I still remained very judgmental. And I was even judgmental about not being legalistic. So the problem is deeper than just the content in the line I draw that separates me as a good Christian from others who I think are not good Christians. And the problem is deeper than just, yeah, doctrinal teaching. And hey, I'm a theologian, you know, systematic theologian, like doctrine matters. I'm not saying that, but the problem is deeper than that. So I think that this uh, looking at these, uh, these concepts of bounded and centered and fuzzy alongside of reading Galatians can lead us into a greater sense of honesty, of recognizing, oh, yeah, you know, I like these Jewish missionaries. I have these tendencies as well. And so I think that's a key place of starting is, as I said, first of all, recognizing that that the problem is deeper. And then secondly, to be honest about it, that this this is me and us, not just finger pointing them. But then thirdly is, you know, through... Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we have the possibility of being freed from this. Jesus shows a radically different way. He was not a line-drawing, you know, legalist, religious person like the Pharisees. He he opened up the way, and he, yeah, provides a, a space at the table that is based on his work, not mine. And that's that's a beautiful message we have. And I say, you know, let us keep proclaiming it regularly to ourselves because we need to hear it regularly. Oh, absolutely. And um, have we got time for one more question? I think we have. Am I allowed to ask you one more question? Even sure. After you finished wrapping up the interview so beautifully with that summary of the gospel, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you write about restoring people gently. And now I, I do love this. And the Apostle Paul writes about gentleness mm-hmm. a, a number of times, doesn't he, in his letters. How do we restore people gently as pastors, so, as fellow Christians? Yeah. And, and so I think, and so that's in six one that he says that. So first of all, it, he, he does say, you know, if, if someone sins, like respond. So it's the, the gentleness is not ignoring, but I think, and yeah, and I have a chapter, I think it's chapter seven in, in my other book, uh, Center Set Church, but characteristics are really important here. So respond with compassion. So uh, so compassion with the person. And then secondly, I'd say with curiosity in, you know, what's behind the problem. So when, when we just, when we only draw lines, then we see an infraction of the line the problem is, you know, the person has done this bad thing. We see their position and we, you know, we either confront them, shame them. And yeah, and, we, and we're, we're sticking up for the, the importance of the line. Whereas I think in, in the centered approach of walking with people, what Paul is calling us towards is, yeah, walk with each other, walk with others. And if someone sins, then gentleness, have compassion on what's going on in their life ask questions, be curious, and then, yeah, and then make clear that we are for them, that, you know, out of concern, out of love, I'm talking about this because I'm concerned with you, but I'm not, I'm not going to abandon you. You know, this is, 
this is I am walking with you out of love. I will stay with you. So there's a, a few ideas on mm, Yes, I like that. I like the idea of being for people. I think that's great, isn't it? Yeah. Here we are. Mark Baker, Professor of Mission and Theology at Fresno Pacific Biblical Seminary in Fresno, California in the States. And the new book from Crossway is called Freedom from Religiosity and Judgmentalism, Studies in Paul's Letter to the Galatians. And I must add, it's a very readable and accessible book. If you you want a a book on Galatians to make you think a bit deeper about it, this is a very, very good book indeed. A very good introduction to Galatians. makes you think and gets to the core of the issue. Mark, thank you so much for your time. And thanks to our creative team at Liquid Edge who sponsor this podcast and to take care of things behind the scenes. Mark, bless you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. If you want to help us make more great episodes like this one, you can head over to our Patreon page and become a God Story Podcast supporter. You'll receive our undying gratitude, plus a few bonus goodies for your ongoing support. Just visit patreon.com slash godstorypodcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash godstorypodcast. As always, you can get in touch with us via our website, godstorypodcast.com.